You're listening to Mental Selling, the sales performance podcast, a show from Integrity Solutions. This is a podcast for passionate leaders in sales and customer service who are driven by purpose, not just a paycheck. People who want to create broader and deeper connections with customers and their teams by building trust and mastering the critical mental and emotional sides of sales. You're about to hear a conversation from sales leaders and industry experts about what it takes to translate sales knowledge into sales performance, how to change the sales conversation by putting the focus on building relationships and adding value, removing the blockers that keep salespeople from reaching their potential, creating an inspiring learning environment and coaching culture, and ultimately increasing sales achievement and improving customer loyalty. Ready to rise up to the top of your game? Let's get right into the show. The medical sales field and succeeding in it is one of the most challenging but rewarding industries that a salesperson can get into. And as with any other sales position, just pushing product won't cut it, especially given the after effects of the pandemic and what it takes to engage with buyers now. In medical sales, your intent and purpose as a salesperson can and will make or break your success. Thanks for joining us today from wherever and whenever you might be listening. I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions, and welcome to this episode of Mental Selling. Today, we're taking a deep dive into one of the more unique and challenging industries that a salesperson can get into, medical sales. And our guest today to discuss these things is Samuel Adienka. Samuel is a consultant, and he's also a podcaster himself. He's the host of the Medical Sales Podcast, and he's spent more than 15 years as a salesperson and now as someone that helps people find fulfilling careers in medical sales. Samuel, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate your time and it's great to have you with our audience today. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Will. So let's jump right in. I came across you a few months ago and was really eager to have you as a guest on our podcast. I love your passion for medical sales. I'd love to start with your perspective of just about what is it that makes a career in medical sales so enticing and rewarding? From your perspective, what makes it different? Quite a few things, but I'll, I'll give you maybe two or three. So, number one, I think you know, medical sales—you're you're actually impacting patients. You're impacting patient outcomes in medical device sales. You're impacting patients and their quality of life in pharmaceutical sales, and really any medical sales. You're impacting patients. I think right off the bat, that is very rewarding to know that a person's quality of life, a person's health you contributed to that. You contributed to someone's better health. So that's number one. Number two, you know, the medical sales industry, it's a great industry for any person that wants to create a career for themselves because kind of once you get in, you're in. You know, if you're someone that takes their job seriously and you perform in your role, it really doesn't matter what medical field, what medical sales field you get into, whether it be pharmaceutical, diagnostic testing, medical device. If you perform in that role, for a year, two years, you can transition to almost any other role. And I think that's something that will last you the rest of your career. And I'm not sure a lot of careers can say that. And then lastly, I think it's an obvious one. I think what's attractive to just being a sales professional is you wanna get rewarded for the work that you put in. And I think in medical sales, you know, you absolutely get rewarded for the work that you put in. And I mean, financially, the benefits across the gamut, when you go out there and do good work and allow these providers to do more for their patients, you're gonna get rewarded well. And with those three things, I think, uh, make medical sales one of the most attractive sales professions to get into. That's great. Now, I want to build on part of what you were saying, and because I've, I've heard you say that having a mission 
personally and operating with purpose as a salesperson in this industry can have a profoundly positive effect on people's lives. And you touched on that earlier, but to what degree do you think companies focus on helping salespeople sort of have that clearly defined purpose and focus on the patient and impacting people's lives, that sort of thing? So let me, let me understand the question. So you're asking me to what degree do I believe companies facilitate a sales professional having their own mission or, or something else? Yeah. To, to what extent do companies facilitate helping people create a clear purpose around being patient outcomes focused and impacting people's lives? And to what extent do you think salespeople that get into the field are clear about that? I think the best way a company can facilitate a sales professional having a mission statement is for that company to have a very strong culture. Now, can I say that company that the, a lot of the companies that I've worked with or worked for in the past actually said, okay, Samuel, we're going to help you design what your mission statement should be. Not necessarily, but I can say that companies that had a really strong culture, meaning when you, when you enter that company, based on the way they interacted with you, based on the way they interacted with each other, based on what their focus was around the results for the providers, the patients, the customers, that gives you a sense of purpose. I'll give you an example. So you have a company that they say they're all about the patient, patient's the bottom line, and they really, really champion the people that, they, that work with them. And they do everything they can to grow them to be leaders and allow them to do the best job possible. And when you enter that company, you see that your manager is giving you autonomy right out of the gate and is trusting you to make right decisions. The training is on point. They don't move on until they're clear that you understand what you're supposed to do. The resources that allow you to do your job effectively are provided to you. And if, they, and if there's not a resource there, there's an open platform for you to communicate to leadership that, you know, we need this resource. All those things make a great culture. And when you have that great culture, it's easy for the sales professional to say, you know what? I'm clear about what I'm trying to do every day. I'm clear about the people I work with. And they might not be able to easily verbalize a mission statement, but they're probably going to start operating as if they have a very powerful mission statement because the culture is so strong. So I think for as far as a company is concerned, it's invaluable to have this strong culture that anybody that joins your company organization can feel, get with, and just inevitably live the mission. Now, as far as a sales professional having their own mission statement, I'm not sure I'm going to sit here and say that a lot of sales professionals do that or even think about that. What I will say, though, is if a sales professional takes the time to consider that and comes up with their own personal mission statement, it can really help. You know, and, and I say that it can help on those days that, you know, maybe there's something going on at home and it's, it's just stressing you out. Or maybe there's something going on that you can't control within your field, maybe from the government or something going on just from the environment. Or maybe there's something going on with the company that it's not necessarily that the company's doing a poor job, but there's this isolated incident that's kind of gotten in the way of how you perform. If you have a mission statement that's clear on why you're doing what you're doing, it's going to get you through those toughest days. That's why, you know, I'm such a big champion of coming up with a personal mission statement as a sales professional. For example, mine is to remove barriers so people can live their best life. That translated into how I performed as a sales professional when I was in pharmaceutical sales, biotech sales. That translated into how I, how I helped professionals when I was training. It translates into how I help sales professionals running a business. It's, it's all about how can I help remove barriers so this person can live a better life. And that served me. And on days that, you know, I, I maybe didn't feel like feel the best or I didn't want to go to work for whatever reason or something was going on, that type of mission allowed me to get up and do it anyway. That's why I believe that a mission statement 
personally is, is a very good idea. No, it's great advice for somebody that's either new to the field or experienced in, in the field to really take some time and think about why are they doing what they're doing? So they're not just going through the motions. And I think your, your comments on the intrinsic power of the sales culture can make or break somebody too, right? And, and their, their, their beliefs and are the products that I'm representing, are they going to do what they say they're going to do? Are they really going to make a difference in someone's, someone's life? Because that, that's such a huge factor in their motivation. So to build on this further, let's talk about what you think when leading companies in, in this space are hiring, what do you think they look for? in new salespeople? And, and maybe also conversely, what should they be looking for more in the recruiting process that they're not? I think what companies want to see, kind of what we just talked about, they want to see someone's grit. You know, a lot of companies, they want to see your past sales performance. Were you a leader in the last company you worked for? The whole adage, you're new to this industry, but you don't have any sales or medical experience, so we don't want to hire you, right? So, you know, as a new person, <laughs> where am I supposed to get that if you're not going to give me the chance? I think what they're really trying to find out is, does this person have grit? Is this person going to get up and do this job to the best of their ability, no matter what's going on? And the best, the best indicator we have for that right now in sales is past performance. You know, I mean, that's, that's when I meet a perfect stranger, all I can really go off of, you know, regardless what they tell me, yes, I can, I can listen to their energy. I can listen to what they claim and what they say they're going to do. But regardless what they tell me, the cold hard facts of is what they've done. And if they have this track record of performance, then you know, my confidence is is that much that much more that they're gonna get into this position and do a good job. So that's kind of what we have to go off of. And that's what a lot of companies are looking for in new people. Now, the caveat to that though, or, or the or the the silver lining to that is showing grit and showing that you're gonna do the job to the best of your ability no matter what, that can be from anything. That can be from how you showed up in college if you're a fresh graduate. That can be from how you showed up with your business if you were an entrepreneur. That can be from how you showed up if you are at, at the bar or the restaurant you worked for, if you were a bartender or a waitress or a waiter. You being able to communicate that I am the kind of person that's going to do what it takes no matter what can come from any kind of field. And I think that's the challenge. People that want to become medical sales professionals, they don't know how to communicate that message. But, I, but to answer your question, that's what I believe companies are looking for. They're looking for, can this person do this job? Will they be more than competent? And will they have the grit to do it every day, no matter what's going on? Yeah, that determination, that self-motivation, that self-drive. Yep, that intrinsic motivation. And then the second part of your question about what should they be looking for that maybe they're not. What I don't like that I see so much of is right now, when it comes to medical sales, if you talk to very competent you know, accomplished people that were not in medical sales, but were in whatever industry they were in, they got the grit, they, they got the know-how, they can sell, they can sell like the best of them, but they didn't have a defined sales role. You know, those people, a lot of times, they write themselves off because they get turned down by companies because the companies are telling them, you don't have any sales experience. So I'm sorry, we can't, we can't entertain you. And I know that that narrative is changing a little bit. I know that there are companies now that are saying, we're looking for people that are green. We're looking for people that have no sales experience, but I think that people that are trying to get into this industry need to take it upon themselves that when you hear you have no sales experience, that's not a message for you to say, okay, you know what? I need to go get some sales experience and come back two or three years from now. No, that's a sign for you to say, okay, you know what? How can I communicate that I can sell? What have I done in my, what am I doing right now in my current role with whatever I do? Or 
I've done extracurricular activity or something in my past that clearly demonstrates that I know how to influence someone to change their behavior, uh, which is, you know, the, the essence of a sales professional. And I think if companies did a better job of letting people know that we need to understand that you can sell, not so much so that you have to have had a sales position, I think they're going to get a lot of, of, of high caliber talent that, that doesn't have the normal standard setup that most, most people that try to get this job have. Yeah, it's a good point because there are attributes that people that have been in non-sales roles that are transferable, right? That they are, they're relationship minded. They're, they're focused on doing things in the other person's best interest. They're, you know, they've got that sort of, like you were talking about earlier, that grit, that determination, that self-motivate, all those, those things are factors, huge factors for salespeople, especially in this space. So one of the things that that's really unique, I think, about this industry and probably was affected more than any other is, you know, we read about the drastic shifts in how medical sales reps had to engage with buyers when COVID hit. The immediate halt to office visits, drop-ins, all that sort of thing, and the, the shift to virtual selling, virtual, you know, scheduling in advance, all that sort of thing. From your perspective, how did that go for salespeople and, and what are some of the other sort of related things that had to change from the standpoint of the, the salesperson's mindset and attitudes about how they went about their job every day? I think the most obvious thing when it comes to medical sales that changed during COVID was access, right? You know, hospitals said, you know what, COVID's going on. We don't want you anywhere near our hospitals. Private practices said, you know what, we don't want you anywhere near our practices. I mean, providers weren't even seeing their own patients. They were, they were zooming their patients as opposed to entertaining a sales rep walking into the office. So the question quickly became, we have no access. What do we do to create this access? And I think what ended up happening was always, was already there and it was already happening. COVID was just a catalyst for it to happen much sooner and much faster. And what I'm talking about is virtual selling. You know, virtual selling has always been there and we've always been going that direction. I give a talk on the, the new age sales rep. And in that talk, I use a clip from the office and it's, and I'm sure you're familiar with the office. Anybody listening, you know, I'm sure you got it. If you're listening right now and you're a sales professional, do not tell me you don't know what the office is. So anyway, Dwight is in competition. He's trying to sell the paper and they found this new online way of selling the paper. And it was Dwight versus the computer. And the computer is getting all these online sales people visiting the site and Dwight's competing. And, you know, Dwight, Dwight is losing and he's losing and he's losing and, and he can't figure it out. And then the episode goes on and they have their fun. But it was, it was such a great episode because this episode was, I think, 10 or 11 years old. But it highlighted so well what, what we're living now, where you have this real sales rep versus the virtual sales rep, and everybody wants to entertain, or, or not even that, a sales rep in person versus being able to get the product you need online. And everybody wants to get the product they need online. And that's what we live in. Uh, Gartner did some research that shows you know, more than half of consumers, B2B buyers included, medical sales included, they don't want to deal with the sales rep. They want to do their own research. They want to look up their reviews on Amazon or whatnot, and they want to make their own informed decisions. What they also found out, though, is that buyer's remorse is higher than it's ever been. So people are making all these decisions not want to deal with the sales rep, and then they're regretting their purchases. Now you take it to where we are today in the medical sales rep that can't get access because these providers are saying, you know, we don't even want to deal with you. We'll look up your drug. We'll go to our own meetings, and we'll figure out what your drug or your device can do, and we'll, we'll take it from there. So the opportunity that's created for the sales rep 
is how do we become part of this virtual movement? And, and that's, you know, where LinkedIn has become, you know, such a pivotal piece for medical sales reps. I don't know if you've noticed, but anyone that's interested in medical sales or follows medical sales, the explosion of branded medical sales reps that are giving knowledge and, and talking about their expertise on LinkedIn, I mean, it's, it's probably over 100, 200, 300%. I mean, it's ridiculous how many people are getting on that platform and starting to take up a voice. And it makes a lot of sense now because the providers, they've been doing that and they're doing that even more. So now they're meeting these sales reps on this digital platform and they're getting access. During COVID, this just, this exploded. This became a thing. Coming out of COVID, now medical sales reps can get better access again. They can get, you know, access to some offices, but this, this virtual selling component has become something that's here to stay. So I think it's actually a gift in disguise because medical sales reps now can say, you know what, if I can't get access in person by showing up, I'm going to build a brand around what I do. And I'm going to bring that provider or that healthcare administrator to me. And that was an opportunity that I don't think was there as much as it is now before COVID happened. So as terrible as COVID was, I think we have a, a silver lining there in the, in the sales world. Now, another thing I'll say to answer your question, I also believe that now when you do get a provider's time, whether you, you did it from creating access virtually or you just kept showing up and they finally opened up the gates now that COVID has died down, you really got to make that interaction as meaningful as possible. And I love what you said earlier, you know, it's not just about pushing a product. Now it's time to really make it clear. This is what I want to do for your patients. This is what I want to do for your practice. Our relationship is based on you getting access to me and me getting access to you and just putting it out there in the open. Let, let them know on the first interaction, how can I best serve your account? You know, how can I best serve your office? My job is to be here so that you know everything you need to know to write this drug or to use this device. How can I best do that? And and I think you're going to get, you know, as long as you're just open right up, right up front, I think you're going to be able to create a better relationship. And then, of course, with medical device sales and, 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 you know, case coverage, if it's not elective, you know, that didn't change that much even during COVID because those reps had to be there. And even with elective procedures, I think it still, it still matters that you know how to serve that case the best. If you know how to show up in a case and you make sure the, the surgeon has everything they need and everything's good to go and you really you know, focus on building that relationship that way. It's even when COVID happens or something like that happens again, those providers are going to remember that, well, that rep, he, he knows how to show up. We, we want him here no matter what. So again, to answer your question, twofold, there's the virtual sales rep that can really learn how to be that on a social media platform. And there's making every interaction you get now as meaningful as possible. Yeah. Like you said, every salesperson, and it does it's especially true in medical sales, but it goes even into other industries. Salespeople need to build their brand and their credibility. And LinkedIn is such a great tool for doing that, for creating trust and credibility, because inevitably, either before you have that initial call or after the initial call, they're going to be looking at for you online, right? To see where you show up, what you have to say, all those sorts of things. And then, like you said, when you are in those discussions, you've got to really clearly and succinctly show that you're about helping that physician solve needs, fill needs, you know, you want to create value for them. And it's, it's pretty transparent early on, whether that's what you're there for or not, right? They can sniff that out one way or the other. If you bring into a, the conversation, when you meet a new, a new account, a new provider, right off the first conversation, look, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I want to help you with. This is my job. 
And this is what I'm going to try to do. And this is why I'm going to try to get access to you. How can we have that relationship in the best way possible? I think that that's something that, you know, I'm not sure a lot of sales professionals do, but when you do that, it kind of sets the tone and it lets that provider know, hey, you know what, this person's serious and they really want to help my patients and, and make everyone's life better. We've started touching on it, but it relates to the next question I wanted to to ask you, which is, so let's, I guess, just sort of elaborate further, which is what do you think from a physician or provider's perspective that salespeople are reaching out to, what would they say about what they want to see and experience more of and less of in sales situations? Like, What would they say are the best ways to create trust, credibility, deeper connection, all those things? So this is, this is strictly my limited opinion here because I'm not a provider and many providers are different. But I, I, I believe I can say providers need you to know your stuff. Credibility, especially in this industry, is everything. If you don't know what you're talking about, figure it out so you know what you're talking about or, or don't bring it up. Or when you're put on the spot, just wholeheartedly admit that you do not know. I think in this profession, if you misinform anyone, you, you know, you lose that credibility and it, and it just, it just, it's very difficult to get it back. And it make you just made your job a lot harder. You've made their job a lot harder because now if you have a great product that they could use, they're, they're reticent to use it because you're representing it. So the credibility absolutely has to be there. So know your stuff. I think that's that's number one that providers definitely want to see. Another thing is providers want you to be able to be resourceful. You know, there's things that they want to get access to. There's things that they want to know. I think it's it's really important that you understand what that provider wants and needs and then do what you can to be that resource for them. And that goes beyond just pushing your product, right? So, you know, maybe the provider wants to be a thought leader him or herself. Or maybe they want to get access to ad boards, or maybe they want to be seen differently within their community. Whatever it is that you can contribute to, you should do your best to figure out what that is and show some, show some effort in trying to create that for them. I think that goes a long way. And then lastly, I think it's really respected when you're not trying to act like your product is the end all be all. I think when, when you can really speak in, in, in the way of, you know what, I know my product is not for everyone. And I know what I provide is not for everyone, but for this specific type of person or for this population, you know, I really want you to consider it. I think that that goes a long way when, when you're really taking into account that you understand that in the provider's eyes, patients are different and, and some patients are very nuanced and, and there's no such thing as a one solution fits all. So don't try to come off that way. That's probably the best articulation of being patient outcomes focused, right? Is to be able to articulate and be sincere about this is who this is for and this is who it's not. And let's help the people that really need it. That's a, that's a really, really good example. So one of my colleagues who also comes from very extensive background in medical device and, and, and pharma, who I know is going to be on, on your podcast in the future, he's pointed out how too many reps historically in medical sales have been trained. You know, what we what we were just touching on, which is They've been trained to merely push product and to talk features and benefits and be able to, to iterate all those things. And they rely on bringing in samples and giveaways and all those things. And they just expect deals to fall into their laps based on the, the brand that they're representing. And too many salespeople in the industry are still not focused or prepared to have those actual substantive patient outcomes focused conversations. So what's your perspective on, do you agree with that? And, and and are you seeing the light come on for more of these companies and more reps that maybe got into a rut of, of always going through training that way? Yeah, I think what you're 
alluding to is the old adage of the marketing message, right? If you hear a marketing message X amount of times, you will ultimately change behavior. And I think things have been that way for a while, but I think just like, just like everything, everything evolves, everything. So the sales professional needs to evolve, but the sales professional evolves because the buyer evolves. And I think what's happened is the buyer is dramatically evolving. Once upon a time, it was true. Parroting a message seven to 10 times to the same person will ultimately get them to change their behavior. And in some marketing spaces, that still works. But I think when it comes to medical sales, the buyer has very much evolved and, and the buyers kind of caught on to that parroted marketed message. And, and the buyers are kind of resistant to it now, more so than they used to be. So the sales professional needs to evolve now and kind of get away from parroting a message and more into, I need to be a solution and a complete resource and be seen as that. I don't want to walk into an office or walk into a hospital and my brand is, oh, there's that guy with that message again. The brand should be, there's that guy, the most resourceful person when it comes to his patient population. Let's have another conversation with him. And I think if a sales professional can, can see that as what they're trying to be, just be the ultimate resource, then um, they get away from that, that branded messaging marketing approach. And, and I think it's ultimately going to be way more effective. It's going to build v- much longer relationships and, of course, uh, much continued business. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's all about adding value quickly in those conversations. And if what you're leading with are your product specs and features and benefits, like you alluded to earlier, providers can find that stuff online themselves largely. So if that's what you're leading with, it, it, it quickly communicates to them of like, oh, this isn't a good use of my time. Right. And it communicates, you know, this, this guy probably doesn't care that much. And it also communicates to the provider. I don't care about what you care about. You know, as a sales rep, I only care about what I care about. And that's, that's never, as a sales rep, that's never going to go over well. Let's also explore, if we can, what you think it takes. In, in this field, in medical sales, what does it take to go from an individual rep, individual contributor, eventually to a sales leader? And are companies adequately identifying and preparing reps to grow into those roles? And, and, and what do you think some of the, the attributes and, and the mental makeup of someone that is a great sales leader in this space? Like, what does that take? Also, the second part of your question first, I think every company is different. I can't, I can't give out a blanket statement that companies are or not. Some companies are, some companies are not. I think it's becoming more common knowledge that every company should take the time to facilitate the development of their employees. So every company should be looking to help their employees become leaders. And then to, to answer the second part of your question, the best thing that I can identify from what I've seen and the people and all the people I've worked with and the time I've spent in the industry is going from individual contributor to leader, I think is going from, I can manage myself and my time and my territory masterfully to I can influence someone else to manage their time and their territory masterfully. And I think that's it. it, it you know, it, it comes to going from how, to t- how you take care of yourself to how you can influence someone else. And that's really, are you a people person? Can you utilize a relationship to help someone do something that's going to be better for them? And once you can do that, I think that makes a great leader, right? When you can impact what's going on, on a scale much bigger than yourself and, and on a scale that impacts your teammates, then you, you've started taking strides towards, towards moving into, into management or, or moving towards being executive, whatever you want. But you've started taking strides towards moving beyond your role because you know how to impact other people to perform, not just yourself. 
and along those lines, that is that can very often mean that it's not your quote unquote your top performing rep who is the best candidate for that sales leadership role, right? We yeah, I mean, we see it a lot. Companies make the mistake of like, well, the, this person's our top highest performer, so they should be in the leadership role. But that sort of cookie cutter assumption can really come back to bite them, right? Because like you're, you're talking about all these attributes that they need to have around relationship building, influencing, that sort of thing. That can be one of your mid-tier performers. That's the best person set up for that. You're absolutely right. Have this amazing rep or amazing sales professional that's just killing it out there. And then they get them to a management role and they're just micromanaging the heck out of everybody on the team, driving everybody crazy, you know, and it's because they have their cookie cutter approach that works so well for them. And they're trying to implement that approach to everyone on their team, as opposed to recognizing what each person's strength is and allowing them to step into a higher performance based on their own strength. And to your point, I think every leader should be a good performer at the very least, but you can have a good performer, a good performer that is amazing at just communicating, amazing at helping people get to the core of what's going on, amazing at inspiring someone to do you know, more than their average, more than the average for the role. And that, of course, that person is going to make for a much better leader. And, and, and what that person has is that relationship component that we're talking about. They know how to influence people. Yeah. And if it's that, that good performer, but it's somebody that you see that their peers go to them for advice, they, they lean on them. They're always sort of out there supporting their colleagues. Like that's, that's a real sign that that might be somebody that that's most apt for that role. So once a, I love to ask this question of, of, of many of the guests we have on this podcast, but in, in simple terms, from your perspective, once somebody is in a sales leadership role, and we hear this all the time about sales coaching needs to be a bigger area of focus for sales leaders. And inevitably, you'll have sales leaders. I'm sure you see this in, in medical sales. Sales leaders nodding their heads about, yeah, coaching is a critical component of our, creating the culture, like you talked about earlier, creating higher performing reps. So they nod their heads about that. But then when you ask them how much coaching is actually going on, very often the answer is not much. And sometimes it's not at all. So why do you think sales leaders are not coaching more if they're not? And what are they maybe not seeing or making incorrect assumptions about when it comes to coaching and the value of it? Again, this is my limited opinion. You you ask all these questions, Will, and and I don't want to I don't want to sit here and act like I know everything, but I, but I'll give you just what I've seen and, and what I can speak to based on my own experience. So I think I think people are busy. Really, I mean, I think people are just busy. I think when you take any any organization, and we'll just go ahead and say a, a medical sales organization, it's pharma, med device, you name it. Everyone's busy, and everyone's trying to execute the bottom line, trying to sell more of that service or product or device or what have you. I mean, that's just the nature of it. Of course, the wanting to serve the patients there. Of course, creating careers is there. But at the end of the day, how much of this product, service, or device can we sell? Period to the population that potentially needs it. Because of that, there's all these systems and everyone has their role and people are just busy. And coaching is not the most tangible thing. It's becoming much more tangible and we're developing all kinds of metrics around how to measure if coaching has been effective, but hasn't been effective. But that's relatively new compared to a lot of the old ways of doing things. So I think sales leaders hear about it. They realize that it's a good thing. But because they're so busy with whatever it is they have to do on a daily basis, they're not making it as important as other people would argue it should be. 
I think that for coaching to really be taken seriously, it has to kind of come from the top down. Like the, the leaders of the leaders in that organization have to truly believe in it. And what I've seen is that when, when the top line leaders are getting executive coaching because they've seen a gap in their own leadership, it's much easier to disseminate coaching to the rest of the organization. And I've seen that organizations are much bigger believers of it. But when you don't have that or that's missing, then it's a little bit more difficult to implement coaching into that organization. Another thing is, I think managers, which in my opinion, have one of the most important roles in any organization, managers have to be extremely receptive to coaching. And, and any organization should probably look to want to coach their managers because really a manager should be an amazing coach. If a manager is an amazing coach, their reps, their, their sales professionals are going to perform at their best. You know, what does a coach do? A coach doesn't necessarily, yeah, a coach does tell you what to do to some degree, but a coach truly identifies your strengths and helps you and brings that out of you and helps you take it to an entirely new level consistently. And when a manager operates that way, I mean, when you get to see the difference between a manager that does it that way and a manager doesn't, it's amazing just the attitude that the sales professionals have compared to the ones that are doing it and the ones that aren't. And it's truly empowering. And I think that's going to serve a company a lot more. So sales coaching needs to be, you know, the senior leaders need to realize that this is important to have our managers do. And I think when they do, it's, it's going to help the organization and it's going to be, continue to become more of a mainstay. Right now in 2022, I think sales coaching, is the industry is growing. I think more and more companies are realizing that it's something that's actually beneficial. And I hope that continues. Like you said, it's it's hard for sales managers to get away from the the immediate or the short term. And like you said, coaching is a long-term play. It's things that you do this week, this month that are going to pay off months and maybe a year from now, that sort of thing. And, and you're right, that's that can be a hard thing for them to to embrace. But like you said, and you know, there's this, this theme of, of the sales culture, like you said, if, if senior leadership is modeling it and actually providing coaching to the leaders, then it's something they're going to want to do more of themselves and cascade down to their own reps. So that thing, I think that's, that's really good advice. So really good insights around, around coaching and, and, and overall, this is, this has been a great discussion. So Samuel, I wanted to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really enlightening. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. For our listeners, you can get a lot more insights from Samuel. You can find him on LinkedIn. Of course, he talks about the importance of LinkedIn and you'll see he's got a very robust presence on LinkedIn himself. So you can follow Samuel Adienka there. You also find him on Twitter at evolve underscore success. And Samuel's website is called EvolveYourSuccess.com. As I mentioned earlier, his podcast is called The Medical Sales Podcast, which like ours, you'll find wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll, you'll hear my colleague, John Crowder, on one of Samuel's upcoming episodes. So and I want to thank everybody, especially all of you who are listening today. We always appreciate you taking time out of your day or, or evening to listen to us, please leave a rating or a review. We appreciate the feedback and love the suggestions when we get them. Tell friends and colleagues about our show and be sure to scroll back and listen to other recent episodes that you might have missed. We have many more on the way soon. And I want to thank everybody. And again, Samuel, thanks so much for being here. Everybody have a wonderful day and please look forward to having you join us next time. You've been listening to Mental Selling, an Integrity Solutions podcast. Stay in touch with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player and following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, and share episodes you love. 
that helps us keep empowering sales and service leaders to master the mental side of selling. Until next time, let's go out and create amazing customer experiences.